Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. I hope you've had a fantastic week, and I hope you're having a beautiful day, whichever day you're listening to the show on. My guest today is me. Yes, you just have me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as I take you through a race that I recently did, Ultra Trail at Drakensberg. You have to excuse my pronunciation. Well, I'm not sure if there's a right or wrong way to pronounce it because even amongst South Africans, I've heard various different ways. This is episode 753 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Let's jump into today's show. Welcome back, folks. Another week, another show. And this week is a show of reflection. I'm actually just back from Ultra Trail Drakensberg. As I was saying there in the introduction, I'm not, I can't actually figure out what the right way to pronounce this word is. Some of the South Africans say it one way, some of the South Africans say it another. Of course, the English say it the way they want to and still believe that it's right. Anyway, Drakensberg will go with, they like the Berg part. D-A-D-R-A, I don't even know how to spell it. K-E-N-S-B-E-R-G. This is a, just to create some context around it, this is a area of land, mountain range you could call it, just on the border of South Africa with Lesotho, which also has, I will say, the South African way of pronouncing Lesotho and the English way, which is probably to pronounce it the way that it's spelled, Lesotho. Again, let's not argue about that. It is about a three-hour drive up from Durban, so on Thursday the 20, it was like 22nd or 23rd of April, that's where we flew into, hired a car and drove up to the Drakensberg region, which if you're looking for something that, I'll put this in a way for English people to understand, I'm a lot, there's quite a lot of English talk at the moment on this show, apologies for that. However, if you think, if you're from England and you think of the Lake District or the Peak District, Drakensberg is very similar to that. Very nice, beautiful, what I'd call rolling fells, some quite challenging climbs, quite dramatic in places and a lot higher than the Peak District or Lake District. Actually, as the mountain range goes over into Lesotho, it goes up. The highest point there is 3,000, just about 3,500. The highest point in South Africa is the top, of, or where I was anyway, is the top of the Sani Pass, which is 2,800 meters. So it's quite above sea level. Quite high if you're working feet. Sorry about that. I'm going with meters. I want to give a little bit of context around this. For those of you that have read my blog post, I'll put a link to that in the show notes over on my website, mjdsmith.com. You will know how I came across this race. This show is a little bit of commentary about that blog post. However, in the world of, in the world generally, people are constantly sending other people different ideas and in the world of endurance, it's quite popular to send each other, it sounds really geeky this, but it's quite popular to send each other races that you've seen or that you like or that you've kind of heard someone did or you did and you kind of had this crazy experience. And that's kind of how we really hear about a lot of different races because there's hundreds of different races going on all around the world, especially now there's even more races than there ever has been before. 
And so people just send you races. And a lot of the time, as you spend a lot of the week just looking into races, sort of geeking out a little bit, looking, oh, yeah, this is like 100-kilometer race, and it's like 5,000 meters elevation, and, you know, oh, it's so... And you get all these phrases like, oh, it's so technical, or it's so runnable, and it's quite geeky for a lot of people. But it, it describes how the race is. Anyway, rewind just over a year ago now, Captain Minge sent me a race, and he said, you should give this one a shot. Now, the Ming doesn't really... He talks a bit, but when he says something and he says you should go to a race, you should probably have a look at it because it means he knows something about it because he doesn't say something that he doesn't know something about. So Captain Mingay said, get to this race. And his sister also sent me a message and said, get to this race. So I'm like thinking, wow, this, I need to get to this race. Without really doing a lot of research apart from finding out where it's from, which I just explained there on the border of South Africa and Lesotho, and looking incredible. Their website and their images are absolutely unbelievable. I didn't really know much about it. I knew that I had a few different races coming up in the year, and I hadn't raced a 100K international trail race. I'd raced locally a 100K race in 2019, but I hadn't raced a 100K race, and that kind of appealed to me. The distance, the elevation was about 4,000 meters. That was quite cool. It would be over in a day, so I could start early morning and I could get it done by the evening, hopefully, and then just carry on with the holiday as you do. You just run 100K one day and just crack on the next day. I'll come to that shortly because that's not quite how it happens, despite how I wanted to believe it might happen. But it just seemed like a great race. At that time, and actually subsequently in December, I got a holiday cancelled to South Africa because their, okay, I'll speak about COVID quickly, but their take on it is not quite reality whose take is reality on COVID. Anyway, we'll move on. That's my talk about COVID for the day. I said it a little bit quietly. So if you don't want to listen about COVID, you don't have to. Anyway, I'm like, I might not even run in this race because it might not even happen because that holiday around Christmas time was cancelled and this is only in April. However, I went about business as normal and I think that's what we've been quite good at being able to do over the last sort of couple of years. It's just like set a goal, plan for it, crack on and work for it, no matter what area of your life it's in. This is my training life. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I've got fit. I've had a great experience training for it. And life will go on. However, as this race neared and the restrictions in South Africa eased, or they realized that they were actually just... Anyway, I was like, this race is really going to happen. And so you start to book hotels and I start to send Nick some more messages and say, mate, you're right. This race is absolutely amazing. He's like, I told you so. I was like, yeah, I know you told me so, but I need to now tell you how amazing it is because I'm getting super excited about it. And I put together this nice itinerary and said to Holly, come on, let's go and have a look at it. I'll do the race. And on Sunday, we'll then go and visit Lesotho. And then we'll go to all these different places in Drakensberg. I said, by the way, it is not very warm at that time of the year. She's like, yeah, I know. It's autumn time. I said, yeah, I know. And obviously at around 3,000 meters, it's quite cold as well. Now, if you know my wife, she's not really that good with the cold. She just doesn't like it. And her thought of going on holiday to somewhere that's cold is like, well, she'd rather not. Let's put it that way. However, she said yes. And I was like, hmm, well, that's that's a real positive. So we crack on and I book what I think is going to be a nice itinerary. I send her the, the places we're going to stay. Obviously, 
Mission Control needs to know where Mission Control is going to be controlling from. So she gets all those places and we have a look and we think it's super nice. And training was continuing pretty well. Legs were good. We had a race in Alula, which I've spoken about on, I think we spoke about on one show. If not, I've written an article about it. Super nice race in Saudi Arabia. Legs were feeling pretty good. And really, the next minute I'm there and it's Friday before the race on Saturday. Go to registration. Place is absolutely incredible. It's about a three-hour drive from Durban Airport on some pretty interesting (laughs) roads. They do have main roads. They don't have many rules. Everyone speaks about Dubai driving as being absolutely terrible, but Every country in the world has their own take on on good driving and bad driving. However, in South Africa, you have this, especially in this area, you have this added kind of like challenge of potholes. And if you hit them too fast, you can do some pretty good damage to your car. So it's almost, it's actually super fun trying to dodge them and trying to go as fast as you can anyway. That's, probably shouldn't say that just in case mum's listening. I drove really safely from Durban up to Drakensberg. Friday morning, we're there, race registration, and it's absolutely stunning. And we had to drive up. So there's three or four different points that I know of. There might be a couple more where you can cross the border from South Africa into Lesotho. And we started on one of them, which is the Sani Pass. And it's quite interesting because from where the race check-in hotel is, another 15 minutes up into the mountains, is the South African border post. And from there to 2,800 meters, it is not passable by saloon car. You need a four-wheel drive. It's, I wouldn't even call it Jeep track. It's just this crazy rubble sort of road that often gets washed out and is under repair. And is just, it's, it's just so cool. And we went to the border post because that was the start of the race on the Friday, just to make sure that we knew where it was. It was about a 40 minute drive from the hotel. Holly was super happy because we had to get up at three just to take me to the start. And then she was up on the start at 5 a.m. with nothing to do. Pitch black, missed down, <laughs> all of these great things. But it was just like, the start point was absolutely incredible. It was a little bit higher than the hotel, but what it was gonna be is about a thousand meters elevation within the first eight kilometers of the race. No warm up. Actually, the reverse, because within the first 200 meters of the race, there was a first river crossing. And I remember this first river crossing that they'd actually put some stepping stones out for us. And I was like, I don't want to get my feet wet. We're literally less than 500 meters into this race. It's a 100 kilometer race that I'm entering in. I don't want to have my feet wet from the start. And so we queued up to go over these stepping stones. There's about 150 of us in the race trying to get over these stepping stones. And these this one lady and the guy that she was running with just went straight through the water. And I was like, wow, that's how this race is going to be. Anyway, we continue up Sunny Pass, pitch black, mist down. It was really, it, it, it has a strange sort of mist in it, the area of Drakensberg apparently at this time of year or maybe throughout the year. But people were saying this time of year, it's very common that the mist comes down and you literally can't see anything which I would have this experience in the morning and because I didn't run fast enough, I would also have this experience in the evening as well. And the mist is coming down or the mist is down. And it was probably about six degrees at the start line, 500 meters in, river crossing, and we're just going up. 
and your your head torch, if you have it on the dull setting, it's not really bright enough to see the rocks in front of you because the surface is completely uneven. If you put it on the middle setting, it kind of works, but it's still not really bright enough to see what's around you. But if you put full beam on, everything around you is just a haze. So <laughs> it's just absolute carnage. You You can't really win. All you can do is put it on the medium setting and put your head down and just chug it up this hill, which has a lot of history, especially with people who have done this race. And you could tell it was quite a, a revisited race, mainly South Africans. I was the only British on the start line, according to, to the tracker. Anyway, I was the only person that had a British flag next to my name, which I'm pretty sure if the South Africans had a chance to have a British flag next to their name, they would have a British flag next to their name. But I was the only one that had a British flag next to my name. And I was listening to people sort of banter about the race and they were talking about the switchbacks. And I was like, hmm, there's switchbacks coming. Now, switchbacks are generally in place because something's so steep that you have to go, you almost have to tack to get up. And I was like, wow, these switchbacks they speak of, they're not here yet. They're not here yet. And now they're here. And the last sort of couple of K, I think it's less than a couple of K, up the Sani Pass is literally about... 200 meters switchback each direction. But what happened when we got to the switchbacks is that the sun, day started to break and the sun started to poke through this mist. And you get to the top of the sunny pass and you literally touch 2,800 meters, spin around and you go straight back down and you go into the sun. Now, I've run in a lot of beautiful places in the world. I've seen a lot of sunrises. I've seen a lot of sunsets whilst I've been running in mountains and in some incredible, incredible places. This has to be one of the best. I tried to get a load of GoPro footage. I'm working on a video at the moment. I don't think it quite does it justice. It's one of those places where and those times where you have to be there to experience it, it was phenomenal. And the amount of energy that this gave me as we turned at this turnaround point and started to descend the mountain after 8K of the race was just absolutely unreal. 6K down the mountain and I pulled into a checkpoint and the lady was super polite. She said, water over there, the race continues over here. And I was like, okay, I'll get some water. And then I went back to her. I said, so where's the route? There's no obvious markings where the route are. And they literally send you off the side of this mountain. Absolute vertical drop, mud, slippery. And I just started laughing. I was like, we're going down there. She goes, yep, that's the route. You go down, you enter into a river, another river. You cross, you go through a stream. Fortunately, till now, I've managed to keep my feet pretty dry because all these sort of rivers or streams have stepping stones and then we go up through what they call their 12 apostles and across this incredible incredible fell where I find a guy sat on the side of the trail and he's an amputee and I remember reading about this guy who basically had voluntary below the knee amputee amputation in 2020 on the back of a quite bad accident and he was attempting to run the 160 kilometer race and I was just like oh my god that is so inspiring seeing this guy there and he'd been out the whole night because they'd start their race about 16 hours 20 hours before us lunchtime the previous day and he was just like do you guys know where the next checkpoint is and the guy behind me said it's in like an hour and I was like no you've just told him an absolute lie and it wasn't. And that's why when someone asks you how far something is, 
<clears throat> especially in the world of ultra or if you're in one of these races or if you're supporting one of these races it's sometimes better just to say i don't know than to make something up i thought about that guy for for a long long time throughout the day the race was we were then going sort of we're almost traversing parallel to the road that took us up to the top of sunny pass and we got down towards then we came down and we dipped down back into this river, which this was quite wild because I get, we get there and I'd been running. I'd managed to jump on this bus. Basically, I figured out a bunch of these surfers. They knew the race. And so there was five of them in front of me and I just sat there at the back and they just ran it for me for about 20K. When they ran, I ran. When they hiked, I hiked. We stopped at aid station together. I didn't say much to them. They didn't say much to me. It was absolutely perfect. And we got to this river and they basically started taking their shoes and socks off. And I was like, what's going on here? And I was like, whoa, this is, this is super wide. There's no stepping stones. There's nothing. Super wide, it's probably about five or six meters wide. But it was flowing as well. I was like, this is awesome. We get across the other side, and then they don't put their shoes on. They go, no, there's another river crossing. And I'm like, what? So they're all talking in Afrikaans but they're holding their shoes. And I'm like, I guess we just keep our shoes off. We cross the next river and there's loads of people there going, like spectators grimacing for us. And I'm like, this is amazing. I'm up to my shorts. My nuts are wet. I'm up to my shorts in ice cold water. I'm like, this is great. And I knew there was a checkpoint around the corner. And then these people I've been running with, they they just kept on running. And we ran for like half a K, shoes off. Cause I'm like, there's definitely another river. And we ran into a checkpoint. So now I'm covered in mud. My feet are absolutely covered in mud. And we're in the checkpoint. And I'm like, I guess we can put our shoes back on now. And <laughs> which it might not sound that inviting for a lot of people or, or even entertaining. But it's funny when you're in a situation like this, you know that there's people around you that have experience in the race. And you just kind of follow them blindly. I I could have put my shoes back on about 500 meters earlier, avoided getting a load of mud on my feet and avoided the thorns. But anyway, I digress. A few minutes later, get a load of grass, clean all the mud or what I think is all the mud. And we're we're off out of, I think that was about 35k checkpoint. That was the first checkpoint that Holly was actually supposed to meet me at, but it wasn't exactly where we thought it would be. So she wasn't there, which to be honest, I really didn't expect her to be there because it was so hard to get to, which is another interesting point is managing your own expectations. If I'd have been all the time thinking 35K, she's going to be there. There was an outside chance, but I always had it in the back of my mind that maybe she, she would be there. And if she was, that would be awesome. And if she wasn't, then that's fine as well. And I think sometimes we bank too much on certain things happening and then they don't, and we get disappointed. Another little tangent, but hopefully that helps. The next terrain was actually really, really beautiful, and a lot of it was runnable, which, again, that's a little bit of a geeky part of trail running, and you say 100K run. Guys, when we say 100K run, there's normally quite big chunks that we don't run. (sighs) Did I just say that? Did I just let the cat out of the bag? Yes. There's normally big chunks that you you literally just can't run. So when you find sections like this next section, which was about, it was probably about 20K that was predominantly runnable, it's absolutely awesome. 
because you're making up time or you're, you're keeping your average pretty nice. My average to this point with the climb was probably, probably about eight, eight and a half minutes a kilometer, which checkpoints plus climbing plus river crossings plus trainers on, trainers off is actually, well, I, was, I was pretty happy with it. I was, going, I was going really good. And I knew that the next checkpoint, Hollywood, probably be there like there was a really good chance because it was easier to access and that was at 58k and also got a really nice surprise at that checkpoint because Nick Mingay's parents were there Dave was there shouting and he's like do you know me I'm like of course I know you it was absolutely awesome he's he's from around the area which honestly it just gives you such a big lift and it's not just the people that you know it's just the energy that you get from people so one thing that I always remember and always sort of try and do and encourage people to do, if you see people doing a race of any type, and not only a race, if you just see people that need encouragement, just say something to them. Just say something positive to them and it'll give them a massive lift. Even the faces that I didn't recognize, the smiles that they gave me at the 58K checkpoint, because it was quite a big checkpoint, was just awesome. It was just like a really massive lift. So that's a that's a learning that hopefully we can help each other by using the way that we can lift each other up. The next 20K was pretty interesting for me. I saw Holly at 4K, so 62, I think. And then I saw her at like 75 or something like that. But it was, it was a really interesting time because the route, again, was totally flat. And it, it sort of followed this beautiful river around. So we've had, we've had a climb in the dark, a descent as the sun came up, loads of sort of fell running, and then some beautiful running across and around this big lake. And now we're on this sort of winding river, which it was interesting because when I first got on it, I could see the other side of it. And I could see some runners that were obviously ahead of me and some of the 160K runners that were obviously ahead of me as well. They were coming sort of back round. And I hadn't seen any of these guys for ages. So I knew that they were quite a bit ahead of me. And therefore, I knew that I had just hugged this river for quite a long time, which at the start, I was like, oh, this is just, this is a little bit mind-numbing. I've come to see beautiful country. I've seen some beautiful country. But now, when I still have over a marathon to go, it's kind of like, and then I just thought to myself, hang on a minute, this is an actual gift. This is absolutely amazing. Not only is it all runnable, so I can make up time, and I can hopefully get home before dark, but I can just be. And lots of different things came to me. I was thinking, but I wasn't, sort of holding on to thoughts too much. Things would come. I'd try and address them. And if I didn't, they'd go. And then they'd come back. Yeah, all of this within like 20K, by the way. This was, it was crazy. But I was in this really just completely relaxed zone, which some of you might say it's in the zone. Some of you might say it's a state of flow. Some, it's just this beautiful state, or what I found was a really beautiful state where I was actually able to deal with a lot of different things. And a lot of people ask, what do you get from ultra running? Except lack of toenails, sore legs, tired, and all of the above. And I was thinking to myself, this is what I get from ultra running that is so difficult and comes so rarely in life 
just this amazing time where I'm running. I was keeping a good pace, I think. I genuinely didn't even check my watch. And I'm just thinking about various areas of my life, areas of my personal life, areas of the business. I thought about the podcast a little bit. You're just able to think about all these things and just be in this beautiful state, not to worry about them. Just if you can't figure it out or it doesn't make sense, you can just let it go and keep running. And then maybe you see something that flicks that thought back on and then you can deal with it again. I was just able to have this amazing a lot of you are thinking this guy's crazy, but I was just able to have this amazing sort of 20 odd K of absolute clarity. And I remember when I was coming into the 75 K checkpoint, Holly was there and it was pissing rain. And I, I've, I've got the videos and I'm smiling so brightly, literally from ear to ear. And I actually came in playing the air guitar and Holly's face, I could see that she was happy for me because she could see how happy I was. And she said to me, she said, basically, everyone that's gone through is absolutely broken. And I looked at her and I just said, except me. And she goes, yes, except you. And she wasn't just trying to stroke my ego. I didn't care. I, honestly, at this stage, I was just having such a great day. I was passing some runners and I'd just stop and, and walk with them for a few minutes just to check that they're okay. They'd done 160K, which was absolute mayhem in Lesotho because the snow had been melting. It had been wet underfoot the whole night and it was absolute carnage for them. So I thought it was a nice thing to do to have a chat with them and I wanted to listen to how they were getting on and stuff. So I wasn't in a rush. I wasn't worried about the broken guys up front. I just felt so good. And I was like, wow, there's 25K to go. This is the last time I see Holly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to race to the end. I'm really going to push it and race to the end. And to be honest, from there to the next checkpoint was about 13K. I think the, the final checkpoint was about 88 89k and I got through that really really good felt my energy was was awesome and I got into the last checkpoint and I was like I'm in here and I'm out I've got 12k to go and if I keep it at 10 minutes a k plus a buffer I'll get in in an hour and a half which would basically see me get home I think at this point I was trying to get home in in like 13 hours or 14 hours, I don't remember off my head. And I was like, I can do this. And there was climbing 250, I think there was one 250 meter climb. Started getting dark, the mist came down and I was just powering. I had my walking sticks out, poles, whatever you want to call them, old man sticks. And I was absolutely powering. And I was like, this is just, I was having the best time of my life. My legs hadn't felt this good the whole day. I'm like, 88K, my legs feel the best. I've got two marathons in them and they just feel absolutely amazing. And I'm powering, powering, powering. And I get up this climb and I'm like, wow, there's only 5K to go. Feel absolutely awesome. But I can't see anything. This mist has totally dropped down. And I'm sort of laughing to myself. I'm like, this is just like the morning. Headlamp on low, doesn't light enough. Headlamp on medium, it's kind of enough, but I need a bit more. But when I put it on full, it's too misty, just like driving a car in the fog. And I just started laughing to myself. And then I started passing people and they're like, this is hell, this is awful. That lifted me. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I've got 5K to the end. I'm, at, I'm on 95K. And then we started to descend and I was like, this is hectic. 
And I'm laughing to myself because it's so hectic. The trail was so narrow, so steep in places, really slippery. And you literally just couldn't see where you were going. And I was like, this is incredible. There's a river and I could hear this river, but I didn't know where it was. And at one point I remember, we, I went up to this part of the course and there was this lady waiting there and she goes, which is the way? And I said, it's just up there during a descent. We're going down and then you had to go up this, it was like a mud wall. And she was like, that's not the way. I'm like, well, that guy just went up there and there's markers up there and you're literally just scrambling. And I was just laughing, having this absolutely amazing time, completely disorientated. I didn't know where we were. A couple of points, I'd like turn off my headlamp just to check if there was anyone else around me. There wasn't. I went to see if there's any light pollution over, over a brow of a hill. There wasn't. And then I turned 100K on my watch. I was like, we should be at the end. And you always get this feeling when... You never feel like a race is going to be exactly what they say it is. Even if the GPS on your watch says it's 100, I never tune in that it's 100. However, I think it's human nature and it's not something that you can fight that if you get to that 100 point that you're not at the end, you start to feel, well, when is the end? Because you're now playing an infinite game. You're now running to a finish line that you don't know when it is. And that needs a slightly different mindset, which given the technicality of that last 12K, I was actually nearing the finish line closer to 15 hours than I was to like, it was 14 that I was going to get in under because at 12 and a half, I was at 88K and I was going to get in under 14. But I've now taken an extra hour, but I don't really know where the finish line is. And then I round a corner and there's a river and it's a wading river. No, I didn't take my shoes and socks off. And then I go a little bit further and there's another river and a little bit further and there's a third river. And I'm like, we're into double figures almost of, of river, river crossings. And then finally, over this hill, I turn my head torch off again because I'm like, am I going the right way? Which I obviously was, but you start to question different aspects of what's going on. Are the course markers in the right place? Am I lost? Like the GPS is saying I'm going the right way. The course markers are here, but I turn my head torch off because I want an end reference point. And I see over the brow of this hill, I see some light pollution coming up and I'm like, damn, it's nearly over. This amazing day is nearly done. And it's incredible how you go from this mindset of, okay, I've done a hundred and it's a hundred K race. When's the end? And you want to know, but then when you know, you don't really want it to end. It's quite incredible. And as you near the finish line, the lights get brighter. The music gets louder. And you get inside almost quieter because everything the race has given you just sort of sits, I think, almost at the front of your mind. I think... Because on this day, I had such a great time, such a beautiful experience in the race. You almost, everything is just so fresh and everything is just there. And all those things that I thought about, some of them that I processed, some of them that I hadn't, some of the things that I just had breakthroughs on, the clarity that I had got was all just at the front of my mind. And you almost just want it to keep going. You almost want it to be a gift that keeps on giving, but there's a finish line. 
and then you're back and you're in the finishing shoot and the music's super loud and I can see Holly and she's got the camera and I just cross the line playing the air guitar. And it was weird. Because as I've said to a few people so far since I've been back who've asked me about the race, it was just awesome. It wasn't emotional at the end. It was just, honestly, and it's a weird word to describe it, but it was just absolutely beautiful. I'd run this race. I'd been out there for 15 hours, which I tried to get back before the mist came down and before it got dark, but I just wasn't fast enough. But I'd had this amazing experience in this beautiful country, most of it on my own. I spent that time up to the 35K checkpoint with that group and when I felt that I wasn't serving them anymore and they were not serving me anymore, we parted ways silently, no words were said and I just cracked on on my own and the fact that I was on my own, I was able to have these amazing moments, thoughts, some cares, not many and just an absolutely beautiful race. It's made me think a lot about people that enter races like this. It made me think a lot, which I think a lot anyway, about how much people suffer during these races and how much people have experiences of darkness, shall we call it. And those are all fantastic. Suffering is good in parts. Experiencing dark times and prevailing and coming through and overcoming is fantastic. It's a, one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people do this stuff, to overcome. But then I think we should search for days like I had in this race. We should search for days where the only goal is to go out and have a bloody good time. Because I think if you go with that mindset, then almost magical things can happen that help you in so many ways. But if you go in with the sufferfest mindset, if you go in looking for the devil or trying to fight some demons, then you'll just end up fighting and you'll just end up dancing with the devil the whole way through. Don't get me wrong, there are times where the devil comes and you have to dance and there are times when demons come and I don't think you have to fight them. I think you have to let them come and play with them, let them go. But it's probably my biggest takeaway and the biggest thing I want to share is we do these things for fun. We do these things to make us better at life. And if one of your races this year or in the coming 12 months, 18 months, you can just go into in a totally relaxed way, almost like I did. It's the most relaxed I've been for any race. Maybe it comes with experience, age. Maybe it comes with just going on holiday and doing a race to kick it off. I don't know. Then what you get from a race changes really dramatically. That is my wrap-up of Ultra Trail Drakensberg. I hope it's helpful for some of you, all of you. If it is, share it with someone. If you've got questions, please let me know. Winning at innerfight.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to go next year, as I said, 
in my article, just let me know. I'll come back with you. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week.